Hello, and welcome to episode four of The Second Cup Show. I'm Deidre Braley, and I'm the host and author behind The Second Cup, where we make a habit of skipping the small talk so we can get to the good stuff. So imagine how excited I am today to have the opportunity to sit down with Jennifer Dukes Lee. She is the author of the new guided journal, Stuff I'd Only Tell God. And basically, this whole journal is about skipping the small talk and getting to the good stuff. So believe me, it does. Um, (laughs) Over the last few weeks, I've been journaling my way through the book. And even as somebody who lives for vulnerability and truth-telling and being super honest, I found myself stopping from time to time and thinking, ooh, this question kind of scares me and challenges me. And maybe I will hide this so nobody in my family finds it. Um, but the the journal encouraged me to not just be honest with God, but also to be honest with myself. And um, in that way, it kind of felt like a really good friend. And I'm excited for all of you to be able to hopefully get a copy as well and have the experience of journaling through it. Um, so this summer, I had the honor of learning from Jennifer when she spoke at the She Speaks conference, and I was a fan already from her books like Growing Slow and The Happiness Dare. But after hearing her speak um, and meeting her briefly between the sessions, I realized that she is really even more awesome in person. She's down to earth, kind, practical, and very funny. Um, And so I'm thrilled to be able to talk to Jennifer today about the practice of journaling, tips for engaging people in deep conversation. Um, P.S. Jennifer is a former journalist. Um, (laughs) And to ask her some of my favorite questions from stuff I'd only tell God. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Well, that is just the sweetest intro. Thank you so much. And I love that we were brought together through She Speaks. That was such an awesome event. Such Ah. a great, not just for like the writing and like learning about communication, but just like being with with other women who love Jesus. So good. It was so good. I remember after the first day of She Speaks, going back to my hotel room and talking to my husband on the phone and being like, I met this person and I listened to this today. And I was all amped up and he was like, you have really found your people, haven't you? Oh, I, I love said, that. Yes, I have. Um, I would encourage anyone who has never been to the She Speaks conference to consider it. It was, I think this year was my second time. And I think it was even better than the first time around. Mm, I loved it too. I've had, I've had a blast working with She Speaks and those folks. And yeah, I mean, you know, if you're a, an aspiring writer, it's a great place to, to show up or if you're already in it. If you're a podcaster, it's a great place to show up. But honestly, like even if you just wanted to go hang with women who love Jesus and worship, there is so much to be learned at She Speaks as well. Yeah, there was some incredible worship happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Jennifer, I want to hear all about the background behind Stuff I'd Only Tell God. So I have a couple rapid fire questions to ask you all at once. So I just kind of wanted to know... How'd you get started with journaling? Have you tried different formats for journaling? And what does your personal journaling process look like these days? And um, also importantly, do you have any encouragement for us serial notebook buyers who need help actually picking up our pens and doing the journaling thing? Like we aspire to it, but 
somehow we just never do it and we collect notebooks. Yes. So hopefully I'll, my, hopefully my (laughs) brain will keep all those in order. So I'm going to start at the top, which I think was kind of where stuff I'd only tell God came from, how Mm. I came up with this idea. So I came up with this idea because, um, I am a journalist and I love asking questions. Like if you were to come over on a Saturday night, I would pepper you with questions. And I realized that that makes me sound super nosy, but it's not that I'm nosy. I'm not like trying to like have you, you know, get get caught up on all your dirt or anything like that. I literally just care about people. And it's not just like the deep, deep, dark secrets that I'm interested in. It's not like that. I mean, it's just like the interesting things that you think about. Like one of my favorite questions um, is like, what would your dream last meal be? Like you, you start to talk about those kinds of things and people just open up. And then all of a sudden you're talking about your grandparents and all of a sudden you're talking about the places that you want to travel. I mean, it just leads you all kinds of places. And, you know, then maybe we'll talk about some, some deeper, some deeper things like about our childhoods or about our dreams for the future. I just think, you know, this life on earth is so short and and i want to i want to ask good questions and answer questions because i think that is where it gets good that's where the story is so good and that's where friendships are formed around tables and and just conversing so i love asking questions i love doing a lot of listening in in my personal life and i started to think about how um questions really led me into a life of faith because i was a chronic doubter like mm-hmm. i wasn't sure if i even i wanted to believe that jesus was real but i wasn't sure if the story was true so um i kind of tucked all that away and trudged forward in my life and it was only when i started to as I mentioned, I'm a journalist. It was only when I started to interrogate the Bible with the same level of uh, aggression, I guess, as I did like police chiefs and presidential candidates and all that. Like I wouldn't, I, there's no question that I wouldn't answer like a news source, especially somebody in a position of power. But I, I, I just used that same line of thinking in terms of the Bible. And I was hooked. I was hooked. And so like so much so that I used to read the Bible while I was um, blow drying my hair. I was just sucked in by the story and by prophecy and all of this stuff. And so what I encountered then was a, a God who, and I made in him his, his image, a God who didn't like freak out about our questions. <laughs> and so I took all of that together, my interest in exploring God through questions and in exploring other people through questions and growing in my own faith by asking myself questions. And I put together hundreds, thousands of questions or journal prompts into stuff I'd only tell God. And so that's why it is a mishmash of questions. Some are really, really deep, like the time I felt farthest from God was when, Mm -hmm. but some are really fun, like the last time I laughed was or yes or no, would I survive a zombie apocalypse? You know, just some of that <laughs> yep. lighthearted stuff. But then the next page is maybe taking you somewhere pretty deep. And um, the, the, you, you asked a question um, about uh, the fact that we buy journals and maybe don't like fill them out, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. And I think we've all been there. We go to some cute little boutique type mm-hmm. store and there's a stack of beautiful journals and we'll pick one up. 
and um, we'll maybe start for a day or two and then we're left with just empty pages. Yes. <laughs> and that is so common. I think that all of us know that there is value to journaling and we can talk about those benefits too, that there's value to journaling in terms of self-discovery, uh, growth in relationship with God, um, just kind of honesty in general, uh, healing our souls from past hurts, but we just don't know where to start. And so that's why well, another reason I wrote stuff I'd only tell God, because it gives you prompts. It gives you a place to begin. So you don't have to like get writer's block when you're, when you start writing. And, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really hopeful. I'm feeling really, really good about that. Um, you asked about some, the different kinds of journaling that's possible. Mm -hmm. And so of course there is like the beautiful journals that you just talked about. So for some people that's supernatural, uh, supernatural and very yeah. natural, <laughs> um, but to, to just begin and write and, but so, that can feel really like next level, mm -hmm. a great entry point, And I have all these kinds of journals, by the way, a great entry point is to create um, maybe a series of journals and you can, or you could pick one, each day. So for instance, I have a gratitude journal and a gratitude journal is where you just uh, like number one through 10 or one through three per day. And you write some things that you're grateful for. The benefit of a journal like that is that it has you constantly scanning your environment for things that are positive and that bring you joy and hopefulness and peace. And so our, our brains, brain science tells us that our brains have what's called a negativity bias. So we naturally scan for the negative thing. But when you train your brain to look for the positive things and then you write them down, you're not only experiencing the blessing in the moment, but you get to re-experience when you actually write it down. And then when you review those lists, you get to, to feel that way again. You get to remember God's faithfulness again and mm -hmm. again. So that would be a great place to start. Another uh, kind of journaling that I have done for many years, and this can be a whole separate journal if you want, is a prayer journal. And um, these are not, um, for some people, they can be very beautifully worded prayers to the Lord. Sometimes mine are a list. So like these are the things that I'm praying for um, in my life. Um, these are the things I'm praying for other people. These are the things that I want to praise you for God. And they, they almost look like a list. Right. They're not, it's not pretty. It's not beautiful handwriting. It's not Instagrammable. It is just a way of me getting down on paper uh, what I'm praying for. And you know, what's really cool about that is you can go back and look at those years later and be like, wow. God, he really answered that. That's right. pretty cool. So those are some, I do have other journals that I'd be happy to share with you about, but that may give the listener who's new to the whole journaling thing, a place to start. I like those because they're both very um, focused and intentional on one thing, which I think is, that's kind of the scary thing about jumping into journaling is that like, where do I start? And so if I you agree. know that you're going to just focus on gratitude or just focus on your prayers, um, that can feel like a really great place to dip your toe in and uh, it feels manageable. Mm -hmm. Do you know uh, another one? Oh, I got to tell you about this one. This, I have what's called a common placing journal. This is a fun one. So a common, common placing journal, placing? common oh. placing. Okay. And so common placing journals actually go back to like the Renaissance era where people would just capture bits of poetry or art or thoughts, quotes, 
that they saw, and then they would write them down in their common placing journals. Oh, and so okay. I have a common placing journal and it's actually one of those, it's a really pretty journal. I bought it mm -hmm. in Florence, Italy that I'm actually using because I'll yeah. see a quote, I'll see a quote in a book and I'll be like, ah, oh, I want to write this down. I want to keep this. And, or I'll see, you know, somebody will say something on Facebook. I'll be like, that's really beautiful. I don't want to forget that. Mm -hmm. So that my journal is just like a journal of good, happy thoughts. Um, sometimes I'll throw in a Bible verse in there or just maybe something that's in my own head that I want to just put down on paper. And um, the journal itself is pretty. The writing isn't always pretty, but that's also another place that you could start just collecting tidbits of fun things that make you smile. I really like that. And I feel like I've heard and read about other authors who have done that practice. Um, maybe like Madeline Engel had, she, I think she called it like her common book or something like that. Yep. You can call them common placing books or common uh, journal, common books, common placing journals. Hmm. Yes. That is the I, same thing. I really like that idea too, of having one journal to do that because my problem is that I have journals laying all throughout the house and when I read something good, I will jot it down, but not always in the same journal. And then when it comes mm -hmm. time to use it or reflect on it, I'll be like, okay, where did I yes. write that? And I, you know, I have as many as like 20 different journals going. It's a, it's a problem. So <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> I, I love your idea of just choosing one, calling it your common placing book and bringing it, maybe bringing it even wherever you go because yeah, you never right. know when inspiration will strike. Absolutely. I often do bring, I can't bring all of my journals because I have like literally seven going at a time, yes. like kind of like you. Um, but you know, if I know that I'm, if, if I'm going to be in a creative space or just around good thoughts, uh, you know, like deep, rich thoughts, um, I'll take my common placing journal uh, if I'm just maybe going to the lake for the weekend, maybe I'll take my gratitude journal. Yeah. If, you know, I, if I'm just like this, this stuff I did the tell God one, this is what um, we took on family vacations and um, the, it's good car conversation. And yeah. also it was just fun to sit at the, in, in my chair by the, by the lake and just write down some fun comments. So, um, you know, it's just I could, I can spend a lot of time even on vacation or weekends away, dorking around on my phone, like mm. flipping through and having something in my hands that is, feels so productive and so life-giving has been um, life-giving. <laughs> it has truly been life-giving. Yeah. And I think there is just something to be said for, even if you're doing something really beautiful and wonderful on your phone, like even if you're looking at your Bible app or doing mm -hmm. some sort of creation on your phone, it feels different to, and I felt this, I experienced this because when I was working on this, I put my phone aside and it felt different to just be looking at paper and using mm -hmm. my pen and something inside of me settled. It was mm -hmm. like my brain wasn't having a chaos of thoughts in it. It there was the distraction just kind of, settled. Um, and that kind of brings me to another question that I had for you. So I think I had mentioned in the introduction that when I was working my way through um, this journal, especially the pieces talking about pe like people in my life and mm -hmm. who has impacted it in a positive way or maybe not such a positive way. And those types of reflections, I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to write this down because I want to do this and I want to do it well. 
but when I am done, I am going to burn this book so that nobody ever finds it. Um, and it felt a little bit scary. So you alluded to some of the benefits of journaling and writing our thoughts down. And I was hoping that you could talk a little bit more about how, even if it does feel scary, what power is there in actually physically writing our thoughts on paper and doing it as honestly as possible? That's such a great question. And I think the first thing that we should do is think about where that fear is coming from. Hmm. Is the fear because um, we don't want to face the hard thing that the journal is asking us to do? For instance, this is somebody I'm having a hard time forgiving. That would be, that's a prompt in the journal. Yeah. Um, that might be hard to write down. So is it because we're not ready to face that? Is it because we are really, even though we know intellectually that God knows everything anyway, is it to feel too shameful to put it out in front of him like that? which is valid. I mean, that's like a, that, that's a thing that's, that's gets in the way of intimacy with God all the time. A lot of people are afraid to just say, God, this is something I'm struggling with, yeah. even though he already knows. Yeah. And then the third reason that somebody might be afraid to put it down is because they are afraid somebody's going to read it. Like that they'll just, you know, get in a car accident and now their journal has like their deepest, darkest secrets and somebody's going to find it. So, um, so I'm going to go backwards now in terms of all those objections. The first one, somebody's going to read it. You'll have to think through a range of how you're going to handle that. Number one, you can, when you're done with your journals, um, you can burn them or discard them in some way and decide, you know what, I just don't want to take any chances. I'm going to get rid of these things. Uh, number two, um, you can decide I am going to be as honest as I am as I can be, because if somebody happens to read this later, they will see what I came through and how God was still faithful for me. Mm. And he was still good in my life. And I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine with that because I'm going to be in heaven. So, Hey, you know, True. Uh, it's all good. And then, you know, they'll just know that, that my friend or mom or, you know, my wife or whatever came through. And this is her, this is her testimony. But number three, another option is to have your like ride or die friend be like, Hey, if I, if I die suddenly, this is where I keep the journals and it is your job <laughs> to get them out and get rid of them. you are the dispose, like, you know, it's like your mafia friend, like your person, mm. like destroy the evidence. And so mm. you might, the, there's a range there. So, because it's valid to be like, you know, I don't know if I want people to read that. So once you have that thing settled in your mind, now we have to think through, are we afraid of getting this honest before God? Again, we know intellectually that God already knows, but it is a valid fear of, of getting that honest, like in front of him, because we buy into this notion that we need to come to God shined up, which is so anti-gospel because the reason Jesus came is because we weren't shined up at all. Uh, he came to bear our pain and our suffering and our sin and um, the foundational piece of being a Christian is coming to him with that stuff and putting it at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. So journaling, in a sense, at least those hard parts, is saying, I'm going to write this down. And this is a way of me putting it at the feet of Jesus. This is a way of me putting it at the foot of the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you 
already know this, that you already died for all of these things that are burdening me. And I'm, I'm giving those over to you. And then the third thing is um, related to like, we don't know if we really want to face it. And um, it could be as you're going through a journal like stuff, I'd only tell God that you'll come across a question where something deep has been unearthed and you're like, I need to, I need to tend to this. Um, this is something I need to uh, go next level with, with a pastor or a therapist, counselor, um, or it's possible that it's, it's something that you were able to just deal with as you, as you write it out. But mm-hmm. when, when we do that, we are actually doing our future selves a favor. We're doing our relationships a favor because we are dealing with the difficult things in our lives and saying, you know what, I am going to leave this one behind and move forward in faith, move forward in victory with God. And I'm also going to treat the previous versions of myself with more compassion and kindness because that version of me did the best that she could with the tools that she had and the wisdom that she had at the time. So going through those hard things in your life actually give you some incredible level of peace because you are finally dealing with the thing that you just keep trying to push down. And the, the, all that stuff has a way of coming up and out eventually anyway. Um, and usually like on the people we love. So attending with it uh, yourself in a journal is a very helpful practice. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that answer. That was really multi-layered and everything that you said, that was spot on. Um, it, and just what you were saying about, the part about not wanting to maybe write it down because then we have to, we have to kind of face something that we didn't want to face. I experienced that in this. One of the questions was like you, I think had mentioned was who is somebody that you need to forgive? And at first I was like, Oh, nobody I'm, I'm cool with everybody. It's all good. And, but I wanted to answer the question. And so I, I sat there and I thought about it and I came up with a couple of names of people that I hadn't really even thought about for a long time, but I realized in my heart, I just had a little bit of like, just a little bit of bitterness from something that had happened. And I thought to myself, man, I've been carrying that around and I didn't even realize it. And it felt icky and unhealthy. And I, I, I prayed through that. But then the next question was, who is, somebody you need to ask forgiveness from. Mm. And that made me pause and think to myself, oh my gosh, is there somebody else out there who is having those thoughts towards me? And, um, and is there harm that I've done that I've not apologized for to other people around me? Um, and that really made me stop. And at first I was like, there's nobody, I don't want to think about that. And as I thought about it more, I realized that there probably were people in my life that I needed to apologize to and ask for forgiveness. And I did not want to deal with that, but I was thankful for the way that it was prompting action. Um, and I think that is one of the really powerful things is that journaling can prompt real action in our lives and in our relationships, like you mentioned. Absolutely. Um, I was on the uh, podcast with somebody a few weeks ago and she said that she'd gotten um, to the question, um, here's someone who I haven't talked to in a while. Yeah. And the person 
was somebody from her high school. They were best friends. And um, she is now in her, I don't know, 30. She's like 30 or something. And um, she got to that question and she wrote that person's name down. They had had a falling out at the very end of high school. Um, and she reached out to her and said, I'd love to, to reconnect. And within um, 10 minutes, she had a phone call from this friend and they were they were going to go out to lunch and they were going to reconnect. It's such a beautiful thing. So I like Deidre, how you were saying that there's like some, that there's some action that we need to take. It's not just putting it down, but then what are you going to do with that? Yeah. And that can be hard, but it can also be like so healing. And exciting. Mm-hmm. It, it prompts action that you didn't even know you needed to take. And That's then so true. you don't know what will come of it. It's exciting. So, I really like this subtitle for Stuff I'd Only Tell God. And I'm going to read it because I I know I'm not going to get it right unless I read it because it's a long one. So a guided journal of courageous honesty, obsessive truth-telling, and beautifully ruthless self-discovery. And I thought that that subtitle was absolutely delightful because I am somebody who avoids small talk at all costs. It makes me really uncomfortable. Um... And so it was making me think that if we ran into each other at a party, perhaps we would be those people who were sitting on a couch in the corner talking about our deepest dreams and fears and longings and all of those things, which is right where I like to be at. I was like, oh, maybe Jennifer is like my girl because she because she is into this, too. And I love that. Um, I felt like kindred spirits. Um, And. I wanted to know what some of your favorite strategies are for engaging people in deep and meaningful conversation. And you talked a little bit about that. And you even said, you know, you can take this journal along and use it for conversation starters. But as a journalist and somebody who is a professional at getting information out of people, do you have any like questions that you always ask when you're trying to get to know somebody better or other strategies that you employ, like your go-to strategies for starting a great conversation? Uh, My strategy is um, to figure out where my comfort zone is in um, being vulnerable myself and then maybe just stepping about one step outside of it and to go first. So as much as I'm going to be asking you questions, I don't want you to feel like you're in in an interrogation. Um, so like those dinner parties, for instance, those people, we've, we've created that kind of intimacy and vulnerability that can take years, quite honestly. But um, what I have found is the most successful way to take it, like if, if I know that I want to pursue a friendship with somebody or a relationship in any kind of way, um, I know from experience how authenticity, honesty, and vulnerability are the our key ingredients. It just won't move past that kind of surface level you're talking about. So for me, it is really just going first, like share, thinking about a question, maybe um, like, you know, maybe it's some dream or some fear or some, just something that you think that maybe this is a little vulnerable, but I'm going to share it. Um, Maybe that, that you had to have had a hard day and, you know, we're sitting at a dinner party or we're sitting at a gathering and we're you and I are on the couch and I don't really know you and how was your day today how's your week and you tell me and I say you know 
I had, I'm, I'm so glad I'm here because maybe I didn't know that I was going to want to come here tonight because mm. I had a really hard week. And sometimes for me, um, when I have a hard week, I want to just hunker down and hide and isolate. And I'm so glad that I came tonight because, so that would be a way of maybe going deeper right away. Obviously it has to be true, <laughs> uh, but sometimes it is true when I go to a, an event, like sometimes the last thing I want to do at the end of hard week is go somewhere public. Um, but um, I think that's, I think that's huge. Uh, and then the questions just kind of don't even really matter. I mean, it's just going to open up you're going to end up going next level. But um, yeah, I mean, you could, you could use this journal with people that you do know and say, Hey, let's, let's go through, um, you know, the questions on page 28 or something like that. You know, uh, there's like that dream that I'm telling you that dream meal question at dinner time. And I, I'm going to confess something to you. It's not in the journal because I was worried that it would maybe offend people. But where I got interested in these last meals was when I was a, a news journalist and um, I covered um, an execution mm. of somebody. And um, I had to travel out to Terre Haute, Indiana. And I wasn't actually in the room, but I had to cover the events surrounding the execution. And one of the facts was, uh, that we received was what the guy was, what he picked for his last meal. Mm. And then I started to do research on last meals of people who were executed and Americans weirdly have an obsession with wanting to know the last meals of, um, the, the executed people. And so then of course, then I take it next level. Like, not that I'm going to end up on death row, but what would I want my, like, what is my dream last meal? Like, just if I knew that I was, this was it, you know, like, what, what would I want it to be? And so for me, it's like my grandma's noodles. Mm. Um, they were so good. And we'd pile them up on mashed potatoes and it's like oh. basically a carb fast. I know. So I, love I, that. I know. And so I just, I, the, asking this question, uh, you know, I'll answer it. It, sometimes it doesn't even get around to me, actually. I'll be like, what would you what would you want if you knew it was going to be your last mm. meal? And it, it really launches into, it sounds so surfacy, but people will talk about, it will lead to special nostalgic memories of childhood. It leads to questions about, why don't we just eat some, you know, why don't we just eat some of this stuff sometimes instead of like always figuring out like how to avoid every carb and how yeah, to just have another death row. Wait, you know, you should not wait to death row to eat your dream meal. That's right. But um, yeah, I mean, it, just little questions like that are, um, can take you somewhere really interesting. We've had, we will get into full on like karaoke slash dance parties at my house because I'll, ask this one question about um your light motif so it's basically what is the song that um if if it were played every time you walked into a room from now to the end of your life that one song it's like your walk-up song or like jaws has his own song right it's like every time jaws appears there's that little did you know, a song did. yes yeah exactly and so what would you want yours to be and that and then people will be like oh I, I'm telling you, I had the most fun doing this with my mom and dad and my best friends. Um, 
a few years ago. We were up at mom and dad's cabin in Northern Minnesota and mom and dad, um, my dad has since passed away, but see, now I've got this really cool memory and, um, mom and dad were doing their favorite songs and, um, dad wanted to actually walk into the room with the song on. And so he got up with his walker, went around the wall. And when his song came on, then we played it so that he could walk into the room with his song. And we had such a blast just because of a silly question. It was so fun and we have it on video and it was just, yeah, I just think one of the things is sometimes I think we take ourselves too seriously as Christians. Like we can just have a little bit of fun. We can play our 80s music really loud. We can talk about weird last meals. We can talk about a lot of the weird zombie apocalypse and stuff like that. There's weird questions like that throughout the journal. And I, I love asking those kinds of questions because even the weird stuff takes us to a really cool place. That's awesome. I love that you said that because something I am often thinking and saying and writing about is that I don't think that God is as prim and proper as we yes. make him out to be. Like. <laughs> I think he's actually a lot more fun than we make him out to be. And as followers of Christ, we should be fun people. Like Mm -hmm. who wouldn't want to be around boring, prim, proper people? I I love the zombie apocalypse question and the (laughs) walk-up question. And I have to ask, what is your walk-up song? Um, It is um, the song from uh, Tub Thumping. It's like I get – knocked mm. down but i get up again you know that one yeah. i think it's a 90s song um, I, I have changed down. the yes you got it so that is mine i actually have a reel on instagram of me actually doing having this song come on as i'm entering different rooms of my house <laughs> just because i'm that weird so I maybe i'll it. give you the you can put it in your show notes <laughs> i love it i love it um i speaking of um really great questions and questions that prompt uh, conversation, but also action. I want to know if you have ever had somebody ask you a question, because I know you're a lot of times you're on the question asking side and your bio says sometimes your friends are scared to be alone in a room with you because you don't know what they don't know what they're going to end up saying out loud. I want to know if anyone has ever asked you a question before that has scared you. Mm. but challenged you in a good way or maybe prompted some of that action that we've talked about. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, I was at a um, spiritual retreat with some other authors and literary agents in Arizona about a year ago. And it was such a simple question, but um, the, the spiritual director, who's also a friend, just asked me like, what do you, what, what do you want? Like, what do, what is your need? Hmm. And, um, it was such a simple question, but I, I burst into tears because I find that I am constantly trying to figure out how to serve well, the needs of other people, whether that's, um, as a wife, as a, as a mom, as a friend, um, in my ministry, I'm constantly figuring out how to pour out. And this simple question of what do I need? Uh, I realized how I have so often thought, um, it's selfish to think about my own needs and it really opened something up for me 
in terms of taking care of myself and expressing my needs. So it didn't, it wasn't complicated, but it created a, there was a lot of complication inside of me that was getting unraveled as a result of that one question. Yeah. Wow. That's a beautiful and very simple question. And I feel that it's something maybe that as friends to other people, maybe that would be a really generous question to begin Mm -hmm. asking other people. You saying that makes me think, I want to give somebody else the gift too of saying, what do you need? What is it Mm -hmm. that you need? What is it that you want most? And it's so hard, isn't it? Because if we, if we answer that question, um, it's, it's like saying I need help, which are three very hard words to say. Mm. It's saying, um, I need something. I don't, I'm not as strong as I'm trying to make myself look. I, um, it makes, it puts you in a very vulnerable situation to share your need with somebody else. It makes you feel needy. And, and yet it is so important for us to answer that question. And also, to step in to that need and to affirm and see people who are truly in need. And we all are, we all are. Yeah. Yeah. I think every year that I get a little bit older, I just realize more and more how limited I am (laughs) that I just have a limited capacity and I actually have a lot of needs and I am just very fragile and human and I think there's some freedom in getting to that place and being like, I actually need a lot of things. I need help. Um, It can be scary. It can be scary to admit that we're not able to do all of the things that we would like to do or that we dreamed of doing or um, that we believe we're capable of on our own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a couple other questions that I wanted to make sure I asked you that were from stuff I'd only tell God before we wrap up our conversation. And this one, I was so excited to see it in here because I, um, am, I am engaged in an online poetry community called the way back to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's a really beautiful collection of people And one of the questions that has kind of been swirling around in that community was the same question that you asked about the six word memoir question, which um, originally was a I think it was a dare that somebody had dared Ernest Hemingway or a bet. Yeah, Um, it's like a it it is legend. We had a hard time proving if it really was Ernest Hemingway. So we went with mm -hmm. legend has it that Ernest Hemingway was once asked to write a story in only six words, but that is the common understanding. Yes. Yes. And I, and I love that it, um, he respond his response or whoever the response was for sale, baby shoes, never worn. It's like, oh, but I really know. it does tell a whole story. It does. And I was wondering if you would be willing to share your six word memoir with us. It's been such a hot question in the community that I'm in. And I think people would be really interested to know. Yeah. So mine is very simple and it is, I have been growing all along. And the reason that is mine is because I, um, if you've read my last book, Growing Slow, um, I have put a lot of pressure on my self through the years since a very young age of growing quickly. Like I want to get smarter. I want to get better. I want to get faster. 
I want to meet these goals and I want to do them quickly. And it would have been easier for me to write a book called Growing Fast instead of Growing Slow, but Growing Slow was the book that I needed. And what, um, as I got into my 40s, well, really, in, honestly, into my 30s and went after we moved to the farm, I realized how God, it, it occurred to me that God brought us here, not as full-grown humans with our intellect and our maturity intact, but he brought us here as babies to grow us up over time mm -hmm. so that we would learn um, integrity, so we would learn maturity, so we would learn things intellectually. We would gain knowledge over years, not quickly, but over time. And I look back on my life and I see that I've been growing all along. I have been growing all along and that God is like a divine farmer in the field of my life, taking his time with me. And if I have been growing all along, that means that I can look forward to future growth in his time mm -hmm. and in his way. Ooh, I love that. I got, I think I just got some, um, I like to say some Holy Spirit goosebumps on my oh. arm when you said that. I'm so thankful that you wrote the book Growing Slow and not Growing Fast. <laughs> because when I yeah. read Growing Slow, that was the book that I needed to read. And I know that so many other people need that message because it is so easy to look around at, especially with Instagram and Facebook and all of that, to look around and see everybody having what looks like overnight success. Right. I'm feeling like, gosh, I should have arrived by now. I am late to the party. I am never going to get where I need to be. I need to hustle, hustle, hustle. And um, I've kind of been working through that in my own life, especially since um, I stepped back from, I was an elementary school teacher. And it's been almost, it's been a little over a full year now since I've been done teaching and doing writing and editing for full time. And I was just saying to my husband last night, reflecting on the year and saying, oh, I keep being tempted to think to myself, I should have made it by now. It's been a whole year. I've been working at it. But then when I look back and see the ways that God has been growing me slowly and the connections he's made and the skills that he's built and the lessons that he's taught me, it's a really beautiful thing. I can, I have a tiny little picture of how it might be unfolding into something really beautiful. And I think there's so much value in just not being like, okay, God, like it's been a year. Where's, where's my book deal? Where's my, this, where's my, yes, he does not <laughs> work like that. I'm learning. And, um, it helps to, to know that he is in the slow growth business a lot of the mm -hmm. time. And I mm -hmm. think that's the type of growth that really builds a foundation that's not going to be shaken. That's right. So, I 100% agree. Mm -hmm. I think it was you who said at the She Speaks conference, um, uh, talking about going viral mm -hmm. and who would want to go viral because it's like a virus. And right. I, we and were not made to grow like a virus. We were made to grow like a field. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Slowly over seasons. And I think that we do see a, I think that we look at a lot of things and think, oh, that is overnight success. But usually sitting behind all of that were years of, you know, just working in obscurity when nobody was noticing. Yeah. But that you're absolutely right. That's what creates the foundation and, or to continue the metaphor of the field. It's how we put down 
good roots into the soil of our lives. Yeah. I'm really thankful for that message. This is my um, little plug to everybody to also pick up a copy of <laughs> Growing Slow because it it's a really beautiful book. Thank you. So Jennifer, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today. Before we say goodbye, could you please let us know where people can find you and connect with you online? And also, I'm wondering if you have any upcoming projects that maybe we should keep an eye open for. Awesome. So I am Jennifer Dukesley everywhere online, including Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and that's my website name too. It's Jennifer Dukesley. Um, and I also have stuff I'd only tell God on Instagram where I do, uh, frequent, uh, prompts. And so maybe you just kind of want to get a feel for, is this something that I would like to get into? Or maybe you just want to answer the questions sometimes that I put out on that Instagram page and that'd be fine. As for next steps, I am in the dreaming phase. I am in the God is trickling out uh, the next idea and the next book. So in terms of that, that's, that's where I'm at right now. I'm really enjoying launching stuff. I'd only tell God. And I really still um, have still have so much to say um, about gr- the concepts of growing slow. So I spend a lot of time talking about that on my social media channels, like giving people helpful ways to slow down and enjoy the life that they already have. Yes. I really appreciate the things that you put onto Facebook and Instagram. Thank you. Um, Just those continual reminders. I think you had something maybe yesterday about growing slow. And I was like, oh, thank goodness she's continuing to talk about this because (laughs) I need that reminder all the time. Um, And so, yeah, I would just really recommend that um, anybody who enjoyed hearing our conversation today, that they would find Jennifer online um, and also get a copy of Stuff I'd Only Tell God and Growing Slow. And all of her other books too. I'll put I'll put links in the show notes to all of those things so that um, everybody can find you. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for your time, Jennifer. It has been an absolute pleasure. And um, I hope we can have another conversation soon. I would love it. <laughs> all right. Have a good day. You too.